one more week with you before interlocking, didn't we? Okay. And uh, she's going to be gone from us for the summer. And hopefully back by mid-August. Well, the Bible is full of stories that remind us uh, that when God shows up, so does hope. In in, uh, Romans chapter 4, verse 18, um, and again, the one I referred to just a bit ago, the Apostle Paul is talking about the Old Testament story about the call of Abraham, and uh, he says, even when there was no reason to hope, Abraham kept hoping believing that he would become the father of many nations, for God had said to him, that's how many descendants you will have. Even when there was no reason to hope. What an accurate description of faith, despite whatever obstacles we may face. This Old Testament story tells us about Abraham and Sarah's old age, combined with Sarah's unbelief, eventually producing a staggering faith in God. In the midst of all that looked so bleak and seemed to challenge the promises of God, hope is what prevailed. And the promised son, Isaac, was born. It is the same, that same prevailing hope that enables us to face the obstacles in our world today. After all, the Bible reminds us of Jesus' words in John 16, I have told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. In this world, we will have trouble. We'll have distress and hard circumstances and suffering, and there is no escape from that. It's part of the human experience. But we are not left to deal with that suffering and hardships only uh, to, to find despair over uh, ruling our lives. Because Jesus is our hope. As a new young pastor, the first person who taught me about hope was a woman in my small country church. She and her husband had lost their only two children in very uh, short period of time. Their life changed dramatically overnight. And I remember her telling me that the only thing that got them through that tragic time was her faith in God and the support of God's people in that church. She found in the middle of deep suffering in a way that I can't even imagine, she found the peace of God and a sense of hope. In spite of tragic circumstances, we can have hope That prevails because hope is a person and his name is Jesus. We can find hope in Jesus who pursues us and will not let us go. You know, it's no secret that life's events have a way of catching us by surprise sometimes. And unfortunately, some of our biggest challenges can come without warning, without possibility of control. Changes in our health or the death of a loved one or traffic accidents, or physical trauma, or violent crimes, or natural disasters are just some of the sources of that personal pain. And as a nation, our own sense of security has been threatened in numerous ways by riots in the streets, school shootings, earthquakes, tornadoes, rising inflation, economic strain, the COVID pandemic. It's unnerving to see some of our nation's leading manufacturers 
struggling to be a shadow of their former greatness as global companies now take a greater market share. It's tough to see small businesses suffer because they can't find enough people who want to work. So the question is, without the possibility of avoiding all of these challenging life events, how do we maintain our hope? If we can't control or can't predict these events, how can we have hope in the midst of them? What do we do when a marriage loses its sacred bond? Or our children violate the values that we've worked so hard to instill in them? A large portion of our population today lacks the hope of positive, secure, and committed relationships. And without the hope of a lasting marriage or healthy models of lifelong marriage commitment, many young people today are opting uh, for cohabitation because they've lost hope that a marriage can last. And these are things that can, can, propel, uh, can prompt incredible anxiety in all of us and hope can be lost. But I would suggest to you this morning that we need to be inviting the Christ of hope into the struggles and stresses of our daily life on a daily basis because our hope is in a person and his name is Jesus. And if the unpredictable life events are not challenging enough, the most profound stressors can often come from our personal relationships with people. Much of life's pain is often close to home as conflict and betrayals rip apart the fabric of trusted commitments. What happens when unfaithfulness and violence and abuse have torn families apart? Some researchers believe that the current trend of delaying marriage till about age 30 is connected to this fear of failure and loss of hope. Child development experts report that dropping birth rates in part relate to declining hope that children will turn out okay if they have to face the challenges of the world that we live in. And many of us who have grown children uh, could share our own concerns about how our grandchildren are going to thrive in such a turbulent world. Where do we find a source of hope for these challenging relationships? Our hope is in a person, and his name is Jesus. Not only do life events and uh, close relationships often bring pain, these struggles are compounded when the people we look up to let us down. We don't have to wait long before we hear about the latest politician or celebrity or professional athlete or even ministry leader who has made the headlines because of some ethical or unethical behavior. And the more subtle misuse and abuse of truth for personal gain is becoming more and more widespread. Our faith in people can turn to discouragement and hopelessness very quickly when we see people's selfishness and narcissism replace character and integrity. Even in our own homes and in our community, we must take a hard look at the real impact that faith is making on the next generation. When surveys indicate that as many as 80% of church-attending youth will leave their faith after college. It begs the question, is our faith relevant? Are we making a real difference in the lives of young people? Are we passing on a faith that will bring hope in the midst of a challenging world? Let's think about how we make the faith relevant for those close to us. How do you and I respond to the trauma 
and tragedies that strike us and the people all around us? Have you ever been unsure of what to say to a grieving friend? Do you know how to care for someone who's struggling with cancer? Do you find yourself avoiding that very friend who needs you the most because you feel inadequate or ill-equipped to help them? After a funeral service or while sitting in a hospital room, have you ever uttered some awkward reference to a biblical truth because you didn't know what else to say? When a friend or family member has been hurting and you sense their need for compassion, have you ever felt uncertain about how to communicate that you really care? See, there is an awkwardness and an emptiness that can occur when people need our compassion and they're met with an irrelevant or ill-timed expression of faith. The pain of irrelevant faith is widespread. You, you and I can probably identify a time in our own lives when we needed care, when we needed some compassion, and were met with some irrelevant response. A number of years ago, there was a movie that came out called Letters to God. I don't know if you remember it. Maybe you saw it. But the movie featured uh, a boy named Tyler and his battle with cancer. While Tyler's family struggled to accept his diagnosis, hope is inspired through his letters to God. In this, uh, the film's mission was to encourage people to be a community of hope and to those challenged with cancer and tragedy, those struggling with loss, and those who are often fearful and alone. And part of our mission as the body of Christ, is to be a community of hope. To be a place where we carefully listen to people who are in pain. Becoming better equipped to impart the caring life of Christ and the hope that prevails through all the obstacles that people encounter. Some of you may remember the phrase, looking for hope in all the wrong places but it might be an accurate description of today's world as well. Today, uh, yet in the Gospel of John, we find an example of hope in the midst of the tribulations of life. We read the story about a man who was blind from birth, and it, he found how he found hope in spite of his circumstances, in spite of his family relationships, in spite of his religious irrelevance. This man was not one of our more famous heroes in the Bible. But his interactions with Jesus can inspire hope in us. So whether our tribulation comes from painful life events or close relationships or even the struggle to live out our faith, we can always have hope. Listen to the story of Jesus healing a man born, born blind. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? Interesting question, isn't it? It was not because of his own sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. We must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent us. The night is coming and then no one can work but while I am here in this world, I am the light of the world. 
And then he spit on the ground, made mud with the saliva, and spread the mud over the, man's bl- uh, the blind man's eyes. What are the lessons in that story, just in those six verses? First lesson I discover is that we can have hope in spite of life's events. As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who'd been blind from birth. This man was born into suffering. His predicament was not of his own choosing. Life simply dealt him this tragedy, this blow. Jesus stepped into the hopelessness of this man's life and brought healing and restoration. Now, isn't it amazing to consider that we have a God who cares, (laughs) who notices? The blind man made no effort to stop Jesus. He made no plea for help. Christ noticed this man in his apparent struggle and was moved with compassion and took the initiative to care about him. It's also important to remember it was the blind man's suffering that allowed the opportunity for Christ's work to be displayed and God's glory to be revealed. It was not because, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins, Jesus answered. This happened so that the power of God could be seen in him. The blind man's condition uh, must have brought some rational questions that we often ask in the face of tragedy or loss in our own lives. Even his family or friends must have asked, why him? Why now? Where was God in all of this? And unfortunately, when we try to answer questions like that, the person's pain can often just be compounded. Listen to the disciples' question again. Rabbi, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? You see, Christ was so moved with compassion that he healed the man born blind. But Jesus' disciples looked at that very same man and asked, Who sinned? What an amazing contrast. So where is our focus? Are we moved with compassion or do we only see the person's sin? Sin must certainly be confronted, but only when we have first dealt with our own sin and prayed through the issues of timing and compassionate delivery. Remember, it will be our compassionate heart that helps open the ears of those who need to hear so that reproof or correction bears the fruit of true repentance. And when we face our own challenging life events and when we struggle to understand the pain of others, Two truths from the Gospel of John can guide our steps and sustain our hope. Jesus notices, and he cares. And the works of God are often displayed through our suffering. Secondly, a lesson that we learn is that we can have hope in spite of disappointing relationships. So as the blind man, now healed, finds himself before the Pharisees, we observe the disappointment of close relationships. The Jews still, still did not believe that he had been born blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. The Jewish leader still refused to believe the man, had, who, uh, the man had been blind and could now see. So they called in his parents and they asked them, Is this your son? Was he born blind? If so... How can he now see? You know, they were looking for a trick. 
It was all a, a hoax. But his parents replied, we know this is our son and that he was born blind, but we don't know how he can see or who healed him. Ask him. He's old enough to speak for himself. So John reveals the relational complexities that come from this man's healing. First, he was summoned to appear before the Pharisees, undoubtedly threatening and intimidating an experience in itself. Rather than the Pharisees rejoicing over the fact that he could now see, they questioned this man about this conduct that happened on the Sabbath. And next we learn that the man's family was also summoned before the Pharisees in order to verify his lifetime of blindness. Rather than offering supportive care to their son, the man's family does nothing to help him. In fact, their response suggests self-protection, emotional abandonment, even personal rejection. Probably had gone on for years. So the blind man experienced his own trials related to family pain, and yet we find that he encountered hope in the person of Jesus. Likewise, some of our most significant suffering in this life can come from the challenges of close relationships around us. Imperfect spouses, difficult to parent children, dysfunctional patterns of relating, emotional distance, betrayals, rejections, often cause us unbearable pain. And yet we too can find hope in the person of Jesus. Here's the third lesson. We can have hope in spite of irrelevant faith. The verbal attacks of the Pharisees illustrate the irrelevance of faith when we move away from the person of Jesus. See, the religious leaders were preoccupied with rules, with man-made expectations, rather than the life-giving presence of Jesus. How about you? How much have we are we preoccupied with the rules of religion or man-made expectations instead of an intentional focus on a relationship with Jesus Christ? See, the blind man's situation with the Pharisees deteriorated. The, the temple was filled with arguments about how to keep the Sabbath. Some of the Pharisees said, this man, Jesus, is not from God, for he is working on the Sabbath. Others said, but how could an ordinary sinner do such miraculous signs. So there was a deep division uh, of opinion among them. Verse 16. There were also questions about whether to follow the teachings of Moses or Jesus and who had the right to exclude people from accessing the things of God. And finally, in frustration, the Pharisees, it says, put him out, separating this man from all the blessings of the covenant. The blind man most certainly identified with the pain of irrelevant religion. Now you may be here today and also feeling confused by the claims of religious people concerning the things of God. You may feel uncertain about whose truth is really truth. Religion may have let you down, disappointed you, rejected you, but the Bible's encouragement is this. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And as we come to know Jesus, we come to know the truth. Here's the final lesson. We can have hope because hope is personal. When Jesus heard what had happened, he found the man and asked, do you believe in the Son of God? The same Jesus who heard about 
the man born blind and all that he experienced still hears the pain of those of us who come to him. Listen to these words of encouragement from the scriptures. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. The Lord will not abandon his people because that would dishonor his great name because it has pleased the Lord to make you his very own people. I, the Lord, have called you to demonstrate my righteousness and I will take you by the hand and I will guard you. Let the message about Christ and all of its richness fill your life. So I invite you to take a moment just to recall a time in your life when you were going through a time of trial, time of pain or suffering. Think about the specific life events, the close relationships or the irrelevant religion that brought about some compounded pain. During those times of heartache in your own life, can you identify ways in which Jesus sought you out and ministered hope? If you're unable to see or remember evidence of Christ's care for you, could you give him that chance to do that for you today? Could you allow God's spirit to guide you into his truth? Scripture reinforces the truth that hope is a person. The Apostle Paul begins a letter to young Timothy with these words. This letter is from Paul, the, an apostle of Christ Jesus, appointed by the command of God, our Savior and Christ Jesus, who gives us hope. The Old Testament prophet Jeremiah reminded those who would listen. He said, can any of the worthless foreign gods send us rain? Does it fall from the sky by itself? No, you are the one, O Lord, our God. Only you can do such things, so we wait for you to help us. And then finally, we read that the blind man's request as he responded to Jesus and he said, who is he, sir? I want to believe in him. The man who was healed of his blindness seems to ask, just point me to the person in whom I am to place my hope. And notice the importance of the word choice. In whom shall I trust? In whom shall I trust? Hope is a person. And his name is Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you for Christ's example of a person who worked the works of God and who used every precious moment to carry out your will through his life. And I pray that we too may follow his example and live out our life in complete submission to your indwelling Holy Spirit. Give us the opportunity to share the gospel of reconciliation with others, knowing that the night is coming when none of us will be able to work. I pray that the good work that you started in us at salvation will be completed to your praise and glory at the coming of Christ. God, thank you for lifting us out of the kingdom of darkness into your glorious kingdom of light. May the light of your love and grace shine in and through us, and may we be used as by you as a reflection of the true light that lights all those who come into the world. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray.